Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jones, Bowden, he's got it, England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away, through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, the final day of the first test is done. And I suppose, actually, Simon, uh, you know, that lots of sort of positive noises coming out of England after the draw, but, uh, you know, a, a sort of winning draw from England's point of view. I see it as the bleeding, at least, has been stopped. Yeah. Joe Root called it a huge step forward. I wouldn't say it was a huge step forward, would you? I mean, a draw against the eighth-ranked side in the ICC Test Match rankings. But England played pretty well, didn't they, in, in the last couple of days, especially on the fourth day, because that was a crucial day, because they could have fallen in the heap, lost the game. But they actually batted really well, that fine partnership between Crawley and Joe Root. Root's 24th Test 100, moves ahead of everybody else now, apart from Alistair Cook, quality player. Yeah, England did okay in this game. Uh, they've been really poor for a long time. I, I definitely wouldn't say it was a huge step forward, though. The pitch was the winner. It was docile. And neither side in the end could sort of tame it, really, or, or, or rouse it, I suppose, is the, is the way to look at it. Uh, am I being a bit harsh? Uh, I mean, I, I just think you can't, you, can't have, you can't lose for a year and then draw in the West Indies and say that's a huge step forward. I think it was, you know, there were encouraging signs for England in this game, but there's a heck of a long way to go before you can say, you know, I don't know, things have changed dramatically. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's a bottom of the table clash, isn't it? Well, mid they're, mid table against the bottom teams, of the table. Well, you say mid table. Yeah. If, if it's the World Test Championship, yeah. it's bottom of the table clash. Mm. If it's the ICC rankings, it's fourth against eighth. So neither side covering themselves in glory over the last few years. And I, I guess you know the, the the positive step for England is two scores of over three hundred, which they've been battling to achieve. I think it's the first time for 14 innings they've made that score and they did it twice and one time it was a declared score. So the batting has certainly shown it's it's got the ability to score decent runs but you've got to measure that against who they were facing and the pitch as well which as you say was extremely docile. I mean what I think we've seen is a change in attitude. Actually I was thinking back to on the, the fifth day of, of the match against New Zealand at Lords last summer when England steadfastly refused to chase a relatively inviting target that Kane Williamson set round about the 250 sort of mark 
and they just blocked out and made no attempt. And then obviously New Zealand won the next test, so won the series. And that that aroused a lot of criticism from Eng, uh, from England supporters and viewers and so on uh, that England's tactics attitude was negative. Mm. And I thought their attitude on the fifth day in Antigua was really positive. It was enterprising. You know, they came out positively. Dan Lawrence, really excellent little cameo innings, 30-odd, not out, uh, 38. But, you know, he really got the initiative going, which Root had sort of started, and obviously Crawley before. And they set, a, set, they set them a target. I think they probably, maybe they batted on a tiny bit too long. But the, the idea was to get as many runs as possible, get up to five or six and over, take a few risks, throw caution to the wind almost. And that we haven't seen that really much from them. They've been so much under the cosh over the last six months that we just haven't seen that actually. So I thought that was quite refreshing. Yeah, really. yeah it was a good. It was a good positive declaration. I think. I think it surprised a few people actually. Okay, you you can think about the time in which they made the declaration twenty minutes before lunch, so they could have a little go at West Indies before the break. But it was two hundred eighty six in a minimum of seventy overs. So you know they gave themselves a bit of time. We were you were thinking the other night it might be sort of fifty five sixty overs that they would have to bowl at West Indies, which on that pitch you know never felt that it was going to be enough. I mean you probably needed what seventy overs. You might have needed one hundred and forty overs, hundred I don't know one hundred ten, hundred and twenty overs uh, to bowl a side out. At times it was a bit like watching mold cheese go mouldy, wasn't it? That Test match, uh, it, it was hard work I think for for everyone involved. Uh, not least the umpires who had another sort of tricky day. There was that. There was a big moment actually on the last day when Jason Holder was given not out with just over twenty overs to go, and England only had one review left. And they thought, oh, this is what is this going to be missing leg stump? And as it turned out, it was hitting leg stump very firmly. And if they'd gone for the review, Holder would have been out. And you know, five wickets to get in the last twenty overs, it might have been different. But actually, the way Holder and Bonner blocked out for a draw after West Indies lost that fourth wicket with Blackwood's extravagant shot suggested that probably the lower order would have been good enough to resist. It just it just wasn't quite enough in the pitch. Dig it up, I say. Dig it up and replace it with something a bit quicker. You know, do do something. Well, and the ground. Move the ground somewhere <laughs> else as well. And put some more interesting stands in. Just change the whole thing. Yeah. Go back to the old ground. I don't know what's happened to the old ground. It's probably just played for cl- used for club cricket. Well, I think they use it for football, don't they? I think they use it for football. <clears throat> probably, yeah, maybe. T- talking of cheese, though, and and mould. Are you the kind of person who cuts the mould off the cheese, or do you chuck it away? Waste not, want not, yours. Waste not, want not. You obviously. I thought you might be one of those. Well, you yeah. obviously grew up in a sort of solidly middle class house where, no, where, I, no, where food I cut was the mould off where the cheese food as well. was bountiful. Listen. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I, I come from an acting family where you know we, we, we all we got was the free cornflakes because my dad was on the cornflakes ads, uh, so it was cornflakes for you know breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, that's all right, actually. You can do interesting things with cornflakes, though. You can put them in brownies and add sort of fruit to them and stuff. So you know, keep it interesting. No, I've, I'm a cut the mold off the cheese person as well. I'm afraid. I'm even a cut the mould off the sausages person, yeah. actually. Yeah, well, and my kids are very annoyed about that because they think that's silly risk. But I sort of think, and this is hospital talk, I'm touching wood, but I sort of think almost if you put a little bit of, of muck in your body, then that increases your resilience and increases your immunity as well. 
I haven't had COVID yet, you know. I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of chancing my luck here, kind of talking like that, aren't I? But there we are. Anyway, well, there was plenty of mould to cut off the cheese in this game, I think, by the end of it. It was, it was a bit like that. Uh, we digress. I mean, because it, it was that sort of test match, wasn't it, really? Uh, you know, there were, there were lots of longers, there were lots of sort of caveats and disappearing down long corridors you have to come back again it was it, it's not, I don't think it's it's that it's the sort of pitch that's just not really that good for test match cricket you just want a bit more pace in it I think uh, there were uh, 419 overs uh, in, in the game test match normally lasts for 450 overs so there was a little bit of time lost but you normally lose some time anyway because <clears throat> teams can't bother overs and also because of the change of innings so they, it pretty much was a full game of test cricket we had 30 wickets in five days mm. and some of those wickets were tossed away as well as England were going for quick runs on for the declaration so you know that there were in terms of sort of players got out it was, it, that figure was much lower than 30 and of course there were some yeah, England took four wickets on the final day, and but there were two horrendous shots, weren't there? John Campbell having a swipe. I suppose you could say, well, that's the way Campbell plays. He likes to get on with it, and sometimes you hit over the top. It, it's going to work, and sometimes it's not. Then Jermaine Blackwood played an extravagant shot as well, a huge wipe against Leach, and he was LBW. I suppose that's the way Blackwood plays as well. You know, he, he, he is tempted to play in that way. But you know, there were so there were a few, there weren't in terms of batsmen got out during the game, it was sort of relatively no, low number to the number you need to, to get to get a positive result if you're going to bowl a side out in the fourth innings. If you look at the two sides as well, I was just looking in terms of the quality. We mentioned the quality of the two sides at the start. I was looking at the ICC rankings and you know, how many players are in the top 10 or top 20 of the ICC rankings in the two sides. And by my reckoning, uh, Blackwood at 34 is the top West Indies player in the rankings. Joe Root obviously is there. Uh, but there aren't that many England players in there as well. In terms of the bowling, uh, Anderson isn't at seven, he's not playing. I think the highest ranked England bowler in the rankings was Wokes at 29. Uh, Jason Holt, of course, is the second best all-rounder in the world. And Stokes is in the top five in, in, the, in, in the all-rounder rankings. But, you know, so basically what you're looking at in terms of the two sides, they are emerging, developing, uh, a bit vulnerable teams really there isn't there isn't there isn't stacks and stacks of quality you hope that you know both sides hope they develop over time but um so you know so that's what we're looking at in terms of the the quality of the two sides um it's a bit like two bald men i.e us fighting over the hair straighteners um isn't it, it this series a bit but you know you can only you can only win or try to win what's in front of you what we can say though Yoz in terms of you know, looking at the two sides England more positive in this game than West Indies England scored their runs at 3.5 runs per over West Indies at 2.29 West Indies quite attritional really sort of digging in maybe to do with the fact that they batted second and fourth that might have something to do with it but that, you know there was a positivity about England so can they take that forward one issue for them looks to me to be the fact that is Mark Wood going to be able to play we don't as, as we record this on Sunday morning we don't know the situation with Mark Wood but you think it's unlikely he's going to play in the rest of the series they're talking about extreme pain in that elbow injury so they're going to have to look elsewhere certainly for their in their, for their bowling attack I mean could they should they revamp their bowling attack uh, or do you go, say okay uh, uh, go again Overton and go again Chris Wokes I, I think I'd be inclined to give Matt Fisher a go I mean, I don't know how he's been going in practice, but if he's on the tour, why not give him a go? 
I, I, Craig Overton hasn't done anything to you know pull up any trees. Chris Wokes was steady but not spectacular. I guess I'd keep keep Wokes because obviously he's valuable with the bat as well. I might look to replace Overton perhaps with with Matt Fisher. But they do need pace. Is that harsh on this surface well, though. It is harsh. Surface, is it, it, harsh. It is a bit harsh, but they've got to find out about these guys, haven't they? I mean, why not? If they don't give him a game the second test, they should give him a game in the third test. Otherwise, I don't see the point of them being there, really. They've got to see how they are, how they go over five days and whether they can adapt their game to the pitch changing and so on and, and different conditions. And you don't really find that out in the nets. I know it's it's England's policy to have players, fringe players or emerging players around the team to see the culture of test cricket and so on and the, and the, the kind of approaches that, that players, individual players use for preparation and they can learn from that obviously but in the end the most you can learn about players is by is by actually you know putting them on the field yeah I think England's positivity generally came out of that game well I, I detect a little air of Paul Collingwood about that you know just being a bit more enterprising than they have been latterly certainly last year uh, I thought I think the West Indies have got to up their game a bit because I mean, maybe they see someone like Bonner as the anchor and the other guys kind of playing around him because there are some more flamboyant players in that lineup, And perhaps that's the, the, the policy there. But, but, but even Bonner can really improve. He's not, you know, they, someone like Johnny Bairstow, you watch him bat. I mean, he's fantastic the way he gets the most out of his ability and his energy and his zest. And, you know, that sort of bristling aggression that he has puts the bowlers off, undoubtedly. So in a way, that's something that that's England have sort of discovered almost by default or by accident, is Bairstow's impact. It's not just his ability, it's that sort of buzzing energy and, and bristling intent and purpose that he brings to the team, which I'm sure would have helped, you know, just motivate them a bit more and energise them a bit more in this game. You can't be something you're not, though, can you? I mean, Nkrumah and Bonner can't be a Johnny Bairstow, OK? You can probably be a bit more positive running between the wickets. And Bonner, in this game, batted 493 balls, made 38 not out and 123, and he was the player of the match. He was the one that resisted England yesterday. He was the one that gave his side a chance in the game. Certainly, well, possibly winning at one stage, it looked. It could put some pressure on England in the third innings. Certainly of elongating and therefore helping his team save it, ultimately. You, you can't be a player you're not. I mean, Jeffrey Boycott can't be a Viv Richards. I mean, they're, they're just made, they're, to go back to cheese, they are chalk and cheese, aren't they, really? They, those two sort of moulds of players. Yeah, I know, but you can you can take the edge off something. You can just add little areas of improvement, can't you, all the time? And you, you can't sit, sit still, can you, in test cricket? You've got to keep trying to, to develop. Yeah. Great to see Zach Crawley, by the way, come through the sort of difficulties of early parts of the innings and opening the batting, making 100. So that's that's another thing that England can be positive about. And, you know, looking ahead to Barbados, there will be a bit more life in that pitch, actually. There's a bit more bounce there, generally, unless they've used the same groundsman's tactics as in Antigua. I think we'll see a slightly more spirited match. And, of course... We'll get 10,000 English fans there as well, so it'll probably be like a home game for England. Yeah, you wonder, uh, you know, with Mark Wood in the England lineup, I wonder whether the pitch, you don't know, do you? Whether, I mean, 
whether the pitch was made to order or whether that, that is just what it's like. I mean, if you look back at previous Antigua pitches, actually, I think it's, that's just what the surface is like in Antigua. Last year, two draws against Sri Lanka, West Indies, you know, early wickets and the game sort of petered out into a draw. Sri Lanka were able to bat 150 overs to, to save the game in one of the matches. So I don't think necessarily it was particularly there made to stymie Mark Wood. But of course, the next game doesn't look as if Wood's going to be in the line. And West Indies have got a bit of pace. You know, they've got a bit of pace in their attack as well. So you know, why not play on a pitch that has got a bit of something in it for the pace bowlers mm. uh yeah I, I remember the third test is in grenada the last time i went to grenada was for that amazing one day international where it was something like i have to check the scores but it was something like england 400 west indies 380 i mean it was an incredible day of of hitting so I, it could be that bowlers are in for a tough time in, in grenada as well obviously it depends what sort of surface they come up with there but yeah but let's hope for a bit more uh, pizzazz in that pitch in Barbados we, one thing we haven't talked about uh, yours very much uh, we, we touched on it at the start Joe Root 24 test match hundred just keeps churning them out up at uh, number three a really efficient yeah, classy innings from Joe Root in, you know in a pressure situation as well because when he came in when Alex Lees was out he thought well some people would have thought here we go again England behind on first innings the old collapse coming in and West Indies knock him off. Yeah, fantastic. There's nothing more to say about Joe Root, is there? He just <laughs> he just reels them off and he's just flawless. There's no obvious weakness. I think. Well, except the, the one Aussies, Australia found. Except the one Australia yeah, found around about Aussies, off stump. Yeah, but I mean, I don't even think that is a weakness. Actually, I think it's just he just gets out like that sometimes. I'm not really sure. That is an actual weakness. You know, he's so accomplished. And I, I just, I think he's a wonderful player. He's great to watch as well, isn't he? Whereas, you know, some, I mean, Alistair Cook, for all his incredible productivity, wasn't always that riveting to watch. But Root is just someone who, he's busy, he's fluent, he's stylish, he's deft. He's got a shot for every type of bowler. You know, he can work the ball around, he can rotate the strike, He's he runs other people's runs, he's incredibly unselfish. You know, he gave his wicket up in the end, didn't he? Took mm. Taking a risk, going right across his stumps, trying to pick one up over mid-wicket. He's a flawless player, really. Yeah, he's a, he's a high-class act. Someone who had a poor time in, in Australia, really struggled, and Australia put him under the pump straight away. As soon as he came on to bowls, Jack Leach... Now, in this game, he bowled 73.1 overs and took five for 136. 43 overs in the first innings gave England some control. And in the second innings, a bit of threat there as well. And with, with a bit more luck, he actually could have taken a few more wickets in that second innings. Well, he had he had Holder out. It was given not out and England didn't review it because then he had one review left. And they didn't want to gamble with uh, one review. And there are some umpire's calls in there as well. It, it, it does show, doesn't it, that... Uh, Australia's approach really worked. They sort of, they sort of, sort of gambled. They took him down early, and it, it it just disrupted England completely. It was here he was sort of allowed to bowl a bit more, and, it, and, and there were times. I mean, I, mem I mentioned, mentioned it earlier in the in the Test match when he bowled those seven maidens. He was actually he actually sort of landed every single ball just about in the right place, uh, almost like watching Monty bowl. You could okay, you could say, well, you you need a bit more variation, but. What he, what he didn't have in Australia, it seemed to me, was any real control at all. But he found control here. Yeah, and he hadn't bowled much before in Australia, had he? He hadn't bowled much all summer, really. No. Uh, so it was unfair to sort of expect him to do much in Australia. And 
their tactics were pretty savage. So he's been allowed to bowl here more, and he's got he's found some rhythm and some confidence. I just want I, I'd just like to see a bit more art. I think you know a bit more tantalising teasing. Give the old one a bit more air. I, I quite enjoyed actually uh, watching Craig Brathwaite bowl. I know it's the slowest bowling probably ever seen on a test field. Well, certainly since about W.G. Grace's era, say. He was bowling at at 40 miles an hour, wasn't he? 60 kilometres an hour sometimes. Loopy, off-spin, sort of drifting away from the right-handers from around the wicket. And they were terrified to have a go at him unless it was short. They were were kind of almost marooned to the crease because it was so slow, you've got about three shots in your mind before the ball arrives. And I'm not saying Jack, Jack Leach would bowl that slow, but I just want the odd one thrown up in the air a bit more if they're blocking. Or, you know, go slightly closer to the stumps, go slightly wider. The bowl a 23-yarder, something, just anything, just when they're not breaking through, rather than that slightly monotonous ball after ball from the same place on roughly the same spot. That's admirable, but I think he could do a bit more. You know, just perhaps he needs to look at some videos of spinners from the past or something and see how they actually manipulate their wicket. A Bish and Betty would be great. You know, I don't suppose there is any archive of Bish and Betty going through his, his repertoire, but he was someone, for instance, who would... India, Bish and Betty, was this from the 70s and 80s, for those who can't think back that far or don't know that back that far. And he was an absolute master of flight and guile, F and G, we call it. And just like a little bit wider the crease, a little bit closer to the stump, a little bit further back in the crease, a little bit higher, a little bit flatter. Just another one would be Rangana Harath, again, who was quite good at that. And I think Jack Leach has done a bit of work with him in the past when they were in Sri Lanka. So it's just bringing in those little ingredients to just add to his control. Yeah, Bishan is the sort of bowler. I mean, I, I actually watched a bit of Bishan Bady on YouTube actually not so long ago. He's the sort of bowler that if he bowled like he does in a test match, of course he probably wouldn't, in a T20 game, he might go for 80 in his four overs because he would, he would yeah, toss it. And he some, would. Would, some would just absolutely larrap him. I bet they, he'd get three for but, 80. But he might, he might, he, well, that's it. He might get three for 80 or yeah, or five for 60 or something like that with three caught on the on the boundary. There's one more talking point which I, which I, I want to sort of bring to your attention, uh, Yoz, uh, before we say goodbye. Uh, Carlos's comments in the BT studio about England disrespecting uh, West Indies by going uh, to within five balls of the finish of the game. So, uh, you know, England had six wickets to take and they bowled one ball of the final over of the match because, uh, you know, in theory, you could take six in six. Um, it, it is sort of pushing it right to the end. And we have seen test matches in the past where teams, after about, you know, with five overs to go or whatever, just shake hands and say, I don't think we can win this. You know, you're only four down. You two have batted for ages and ages, which they did, didn't they, Bonner and Holder? Uh, is that disrespect from England? Uh, Carlos was saying, you know, would they have done it against India? Would they have done it in an Ashes Test match? I think it's a bit harsh from Carlos. I think England are perfectly entitled to take it to the, the last over. You never know, do you? Uh, they're not exactly the strongest lower order. The, the old ball was keeping low. England were pretty tired, has to say. I mean, if they had a, a Mark Wood charging in, with the potential to keep a, get a couple going underground in the last couple of overs, maybe they'd have a bit more optimism of winning. But I, I don't. You know, when you're trying to going back to the, that horrible word reset, when you're trying to rebuild and reconstruct 
the team and its attitude, going all out for a win is, is the right way to go and committed to that because you just never know, do you? And, and I think it's one of those, you're, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Mm, it was yeah. perfectly reasonable to, to, to give it a go till towards the end. I think if it was the third test of the series and it was nil-nil going into that last five overs, you might shake hands because you've had 15 days of, of battle and uh, you know, kind of each team's nullified the other. And so that would be more reasonable because you, you, it shows good spirit and thank you for the, for the, for the tussle. Uh, but we'll call it quits or something. Yeah, I mean, I must say, as I was watching those closing overs, I was thinking, I wonder if the captains are going to shake hands. But I expect, I expected England to go, you know, until it was impossible to to win the game. And if West Indies had done the same, I don't think I would have thought that that was disrespectful. I would have just thought they they're just making absolutely sure that they can't win the game. Uh, you know, to take every single ball possible to try and win the match. Okay, it's it's unlikely, but then you know it was unlikely that England, England were going to win the game from ten overs out or fifteen overs out. And sometimes captains can shake hands uh, as the as you go into the last hour. You you, know, you wouldn't shake hands if you're four wickets down going into the last hour. You give it a bit longer than that. I could I sort I sort of see Carlos's point in one sense because it probably felt like there was no way England could win the game, but. I, I don't. I don't have a big issue with it, and I wouldn't have had a. I wouldn't have had a issue with it if West Indies had done it to England or Australia had done it to England or whatever. You know, I, it, you just you just go the full distance. It, it probably is a mindset thing as well, isn't it? Like we are we are not going to give an inch here, and perhaps that's just part of England's mentality. We're going to give us give ourselves every single chance to win the game. Okay, if it means we've got to take six in six or try to take six in six, so be it. Uh, you know, cricket is often about. Uh, uh, hope uh, versus reality, isn't it? You know, you, you you hope to win, you hope to push. For, oh, you know, you know what it's like on the last day of a match. You know, I I expect you played in lots of games where that finished in draws, but you keep pushing, don't you? Keep pushing, you keep hoping that something's going to happen. I bet you played in the odd game as well where you've won at the end when you didn't really expect to. When you took I don't know six wickets in the last ten overs or something or something like that, especially with that strong Middlesex side that, that you had when you, that you were playing in in, in the eighties. I mean, actually, funnily enough, it goes back to a long way back to uh, nineteen sixty eight, where uh, the Oval, where if you remember, well, you probably don't remember actually because you're too young. It rained heavily on the final day, and everybody gave up any hope of playing. And then uh, the rain stopped at sort of four o'clock and the ground staff roped in members of the crowd who'd stayed in, in the oval, sort of huddled under the, the, the awnings to come and help dry it up. And so they used mops and blankets and towels and everything and dried up the outfield for about 45 minutes possible play. And Derek Underwood bowled Australia out and England levelled the series. Uh, some great scenes actually there with nine men round the bat and Underwood wheeling away trapping John Inverera at LBW with about five minutes to go. It didn't regain England the Ashes uh, because it was a drawn series and Australia held them. But still, it was an exciting end. So, well, that's 50-odd years ago. Um, it still is worth trying to, to force victory until the last moment because you just never know, do you? And you never know what the West Indies are going to do. Do you remember that game uh, they lost when Shannon Gabriel had a big yeah. heave? And when they were blocking out, and yeah. that classic line from our friend Fazi Mohammed, "Why did he do that?" <laughs> that was brilliant. Well, this time the West Indies showed a bit more resolution and resilience, didn't they?
Yeah, a lot more resolution, a lot more resolution. And we said at the start of the series, we thought it was going to be attritional. We thought it was going to be quite tight. I think you made an interesting point at the start. If this were a club match, it would be a winning draw for England. Um, but that's sort of pushing it a little bit. England had the better of a draw, didn't they, really? Uh, but West yeah. Indies, West Indies battled out and they showed a great deal of uh, resilience. And I imagine they'll continue to do so in the in the rest of these uh, t two matches, Barbados and uh, Grenada. And so I'm sure the uh, travelling masses of uh, Barmy Army fans will be hoping for a little bit more entertainment in the Barbados test, which starts on Wednesday. And we'll be bringing you the review of, uh, of each day's play from that test match. Meanwhile, I should just remind you, Stephen Fry's appearance on Tuesday night in the yeah. Virtual Cricket Club, 7.30pm. Stephen Fry, all the way from LA, talking about his love of cricket and his desire to have been a cricketer when he was young, which probably was just as well he didn't follow that through because he's given us hours and years of entertainment on the screen instead. And he's going to be doing that hopefully on Tuesday night. You can join us by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com. So Stephen Fry on Tuesday and then the second test match, the West Indies against England, Barbados uh, from Wednesday. And as Yoz says, we'll be back to review each day's play after it has happened. That's it then. A slightly disappointing uh, draw in terms of the pitch and the, the sort of slowness of the play from Antigua, but some positives for England and for the West Indies as well. Bye for now. <laughs>